0: to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today's guest is Lisa Marie Rankin. I discovered her after reading her book, The Goddess Solution. Her life has similarities to mine, which is what attracted me to her. But the interesting aspect of her life is she related it to goddess energy and how to use it in every area of our lives. Her book shares how to apply ancient goddess wisdom to modern day scenarios like relationships, sex, dating, money, careers, conflict, and so much more. She teaches you how to invoke your inner goddess so you can live passionately, live authentically, and find more ease and harmony in your life. Before I bring Lisa on, I want to remind you as we wrap 2021 up and head into a new year, I am beginning my eight-week one-on-one course of raising confidence for the kids, And the magic path for parents and adults in January. You can sign up in the link in the show notes or just email me at ashleygoner at gmail.com or go to my website and there is a link there where you can sign up. Can you imagine starting 2022 with a new mindset? And even more, could you imagine giving the gift of this class to your children so they can be empowered by these life changing tools? So, they can be the difference in this world and take on life with no limits and the belief that they can be, do, or have anything. When I see my students begin to see life with a new, unlimited eyes and a mindset that will set them up for life with purpose and passion, that is what wakes me up and gets my heart beating. There is no better gift to give yourself or your child than mindset tools that will change your life and their life forever. Watching the families who have graduated from my classes incorporate the tools in their lives and homes is amazing. So, if you are trying to find the perfect gift, give the gift of a new mindset for life to you and your kids. Let's take this world to a new level of thinking. Empower this new generation of kids who are searching and wanting to know these tools, but don't know where to go to learn them. Well, you have found where to send them. Send them to me. My goal as I live here on this earth is to empower millions of kids and parents to live a limitless life and be the ones out there empowering others to do just the same. Don't let your kids or your family go another year without learning these tools. Life is to be lived on purpose with passion, setting goals that are so big they scare you, but you have the awareness that anything is possible. It is so important to living a fulfilling life. So please give the greatest gift of all, a life free from judgment, free from worry, free from anything you could view as negative. Transform your family into living with a mind that everything in life is working for you, not to you, and everything is perfect. Even you are perfect. Okay, let me get on to the show, or I could go on and on about how passionate I am about teaching these tools. So without further ado, please welcome Lisa Marie Rankin to the show. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You sent me your beautiful book and I have it right here and I was reading it and it's been sitting with like my coffee time in the morning as I read it because it's one of those fun books where you can open it up and just learn one little thing and I said in the introduction, it's what it's called the goddess solution, but, you know, going back to understanding, you know, when we get to this age, late forties, early fifties, and we have a life story and we have where we've learned our lessons and we followed the yellow brick road and we've picked up the breadcrumbs and we've taken the why in the road and realized it was the wrong why, and then getting back on track and keep going forward and pushing past the fear and knowing that everything in our life is, you know, is perfect no matter how you look at it, if you think it's bad, it's perfect. And I always, such a great feeling to get to this point in your life, to look back and go, gosh, look at those little breadcrumbs I picked up. I did it because I listened to that intuition and I followed through, I pushed past the fear. And now look what I learned and look at what I've, you know, been able to teach people and be the guiding light because of my experiences. And I think we get to this midlife of our time and we can, and to come to the place where we want to, you know, teach and share because of our experiences and those experiences are like things that people would value be so valuable in their life, you know, and I feel that way with that's kind of where you're at in your life with this book and what you've done in writing your, all those blogs and are beautiful writing, by the way, like amazing. Oh, thank you. And the way you write in your book, you know, there's certain people that you you know, you've read a million books in your life, but you talk to me like you're my friend in the book. So it's so easy to read. And I find it like I am talking to my friend as I read your book, but I wanted to go into, because I related to your story back when you kind of where you started, like the regular Lisa life, <laughs> you know, where you started off working and going to college and got married, had your kids, but kind of go back there just so we kind of get an understanding. Cause I, I think when people understand that when people, you don't have to live your life because people tell you you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to get a job, you have your family, you get, you know, get married, have your family. And then even if you're miserable, just keep going (laughs) because that's what you're supposed to do, right?
1: Right. I know. And it's funny because I do, I feel like if you look at my life, like from college on like to mid thirties was so prescriptive. It's like, if there was a rule book, I had followed it perfectly. It's like, I went to a four year college, went left to go to New York City, spent five years working there, came back, you know, went to grad school, got married, had two babies, you know, did well in the corporate world. But then it was sometime in my thirties, mid thirties, it started to feel like everything seemed very unintentional. You know, it's like, I always say, it's kind of like that talking head song. Like, it's like, you know, this is not my beautiful house. Like, <laughs> like, when did I make these conscious decisions? And I mean, of course I was thrilled to have my two beautiful children. So that was, you know, that was never a question, but it was just, I felt like I was doing all of these things. Cause I was supposed to, do them or because they were set out before me and it seemed like everybody else was doing them but not because like I had intentionally chose them Mm -hmm. and I think as my marriage was starting to devolve and I was becoming more uninspiring with work and it was also as I was approaching 40 and it's kind of like and I I think I've read somewhere that we make these big changes like on different decades and I Uh I kind of understand that because it's like you kind of think like well what's the next 10 years going to be like and it's just you start to see that time is starting to go by quicker. And I started to make a lot of changes. So I had ended my marriage. I had left the corporate world to embark on creative pursuits and really just started to say like, well, what would I do if I wasn't scared? Like if I wasn't nervous about, and by scared, I mean like if I wasn't nervous about what other people thought about me, like it took me a long time to even like write and post things on my blog. Cause I'd be like, what will the women in my community think? What will that girl that was like mean to me in high school think, you know? And it's like, these things prevent us from doing stuff that really
0: shouldn't be a factor. Right. Isn't that fun though, to get to a place in your life that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. (laughs) I love being, it's such a free feeling. I love the feeling of even having this podcast and bringing on guests that, you know, might be different, you know, I'll go, Oh, this will kind of touch somebody. And then other people will like, Whoa, where is she coming from? Yeah. I can just see it. But when you realize that, you know, when you're being led and you're listening to your intuition and you're just going with it because it's all about just going with what you feel. Right. And believe then it's, I don't really, Touch whoever. And it, it's people that come back, and I go, wow, it touched you. I've never thought it would. You know, it's just so, it's just fun. It's, I just think it's so fun to live in a place like that. And I love that you do too.
1: Yeah. No, it is. And it definitely had taken some time to get there because I think for, you know, especially when I was younger, it's almost like you craft this facade or persona that you think is going to be acceptable to other people. And then you start to realize like, you've created a little prison for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what would I really do if I want, you know, if I was just free to do whatever I want?
0: When you realized your marriage was not for you, what were your, cause I think a lot of your um, lessons, there's a lot of relationship you have, you teach a lot of people about relationships and intimacy and all that, but I loved the Wayne Dyer quote, you don't tr- attract what you want. You attract who you are yes. because I really, when I teach my classes or with my friends and they're on, they're on their journey to find uh, love at, in their forties or fifties. And, you know, to come back to a place where who you are is what you're attracting. And I, but what you, who you are, if you realize you're attracting the same people over and over again, there needs to be a shift.
1: Right. And <laughs> Explain was- to Mimi that big like kind of aha moment for me. And I think for me, and I think I I talk about this, I know in the book and in essays, like I've always, you know, I mean, I love men. I do. And I've always like, so I've always found it easy to attract men. I think they sense that, you know, that I enjoy men and, you know, I have... Fun with them but I haven't always attracted the right ones like or at least the ones that I would have claimed to want and I think one of the reasons was even though I found it fairly easy to attract men once I'd get into a relationship with someone I got really needy so like I had that very anxious attachment style so I would end up being with men who would be like calling or texting 25 times a day and you know it took me like 40 years to figure out if someone has <laughs> that much time to call and text me throughout the day they probably don't have you know a lot going on so and got you know and and then that quote by Wayne Dyer that you don't attract what you want you attract what you are really kind of got me thinking about what I was coming into relationships with and I was really I was looking for validation validation that I was still desirable that I was worthy that you know I was lovable and I was attracting the same I was also attracting men that wanted those same things you know Mm -hmm. and at first it feels really good right like it feels like your needs are coming together but it started to realize that like these two gaping wounds. You know, they don't complete one another. It just has a bigger gaping wound. You know, it's just a bigger hole. So it wasn't really until I started to kind of work on myself, understand why it was that I was like craving this external validation and really kind of being okay with not having it. Was I able to really attract a partner that is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in? And ironically, you know, it's so different than the other ones. Like, you know, I used to love getting all of these like text and phone calls and, you know, he does not text or, you know, call that often. And that's been really hard for me at different times. Like, is everything okay? And it's just, he, you know, he, it's just not his style, verbal affirmations and like, isn't his, but you know, he shows his love in other ways. And, you know, I like, I've grown a lot from that as well.
0: When you look back at your marriage, when you had your children, Where were you at and why did you attract that person?
1: Well, it's interesting. So I met my husband after I had lived in New York City for five years. And I remember thinking like, you know, I had some, I had some nice boyfriends in New York, but you know, the pace there can be very like shallow, very fast paced. And it was just kind of, I felt like a lot of it was very superficial. So I came back home into the Boston area. And I think at the time, you know, again, he just put so much attention onto me, you know, made me feel like, you know, I was like the only woman in the world. And I was like, this is what a relationship is supposed to be like, but it ended up being like, just, I don't know if it was, I would say very kind of like codependent or, I mean, I eventually Mm. started to feel like he needed me too much that I was like in the relationship that I was taking care of too much that I just, um, there wasn't the sovereignty or autonomy that I felt like there should be between like. To adults, right? But at the time, it was attractive because it was like, "Wow, look at all of this—you know—attention that I'm getting." And he seems so sincere and so authentic. But you know, I was kind of only seeing what I wanted to see. There was also some red flags there too. But I think at that age, at 29, you know, there's like, "Oh, we'll, we'll work it out. You know, we'll figure it. Out. Things will fall into place." But it's like. I guess my advice to other people would be like those red flags that you see early on, they stay, you know, so unless you address them right away, they don't just disappear. Like it's It's generally the reason why I think things end up devolving for people or the things that people noticed very early on.
0: Right. I agree. You know, I'd ask you that question because I think I was at the same age with you where I got married for a year and. And not the right, I knew it wasn't right. I think I was doing it like you said, like, okay, well, all my friends were married. They had their first child and I hadn't even met the one yet. And I thought I'm late and I panic, you know? And then you feel like, well, I'll just make this work. And then realizing while you're in it, like, huh? And I wasn't my true self. And now that I look back and I know it's part of my plan and it was all perfect and I needed that experience. And, you know, when you look back at those little I don't know, windows of time that you had those experiences and then you, the light bulb goes off and you're like, okay, I'm not living my authentic self. And it wasn't that feeling where I know what it feels like today, especially. But then when you move from that moment to, you know, take that next why in the road and really take that step. And I've helped people like, you just got to go, you know, and I think part of what in my life where I've empowered these people to, once you take that step, Oh my gosh, I promise you, you know, like you'll get, you'll get into this more truer place of who you truly are. And that's when the magic starts to happen in your life. You know, and always in that authenticity, but when I love to hear when, when women are strong enough to realize that even in that moment, I made the wrong choice, but I can still change it and it's okay.
1: Right. And that's what I actually talk about in my book a lot too, Is that we can change our mind at any time, just because, you know, we've started out in one direction. We can learn, we can evolve, we can say no, we can change course. Because I think sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I did, you know, like, I got married or I got the job. It's like, I should stay the course. We don't need to stay the course. Like I always like to think, you know, like part of like our divine feminine energy, it's like we can explore. I always say like masculine energy is like that ladder, you know, it's point A to point B. Like when we start to kind of embrace that more feminine creative force, it's more about exploration. It's more like a jungle gym, you know? Right. And we can make these lateral moves.
0: When you talk about masculine and feminine energy, I love that because... I had an aha moment when I was at date with Destiny and t- with Tony Robbins. A few when I turned fifty, I went there for my birthday. Oh, nice! And uh, we had to dance as a feminine. <laughs> and you know, I realized in my life I've been so masculine. I, you know, I really when I like, you know, when you don't have a partner for all of my life up until I'm, you know, in my thirties. Then it's like, I had to fend for myself. I had, I was in charge, you know, and then you get married and you're like, okay, I need to figure out how to have the feminine side. (laughs) And it's so important to know that. And I realized, I thought, gosh, Ashley, it was so interesting because it's just an opening to know that we're all, we all have both sides, like the yin and the yang. Right. And to be aware of when your feminine works in this thing and your masculine comes in this one. But explain that, because I think you explain that in a neat way. Sure, yeah. So like,
1: like you said, we all have masculine and feminine energy and it really doesn't even have anything to do with where you are on the gender spectrum. It's just the different energies that we embody. And masculine energy tends to be like very directive, linear, structured. We see it in like big corporations, our education system. It's very hierarchical. And then feminine energy, on the other hand, is more linear, circular, collaborative. Like we'd see it in relationships or even like startups, if you wanted to use the business metaphor, where everyone kind of has different roles and it's more creative. Masculine is based more on reason, reasoning and like that analytical mind, where feminine energy is based more on intuition. Now, I would suspect that All of us in this society have developed way more masculine energy just because that's what we've been taught. You know, it's like we really try to think our way through, you know, how to solve a problem. And we don't really rely on our intuition as much. And a lot of that is because we spend so much time in our mind, we're on devices a lot. It's just a very cerebral process. But I think feminine energy is really coming back and trusting your intuition and not necessarily looking for a specific outcome, but also just being able to explore and being able to just let things divinely unfold, like kind of cultivating that sense of faith that things are going to happen as they happen. We don't need to control it like kind of white knuckles. I like picture on the steering wheel, but we can take a step back. It's more receptive. So Mm -hmm. I like to think of that too, because I always say I'm kind of like this like type A hippie. Like I also was very much like career. I've got my notes, I've got my to-do list and stuff. And it's taken me some time. It's just like well, we can't control other people. We can't control events, but we can control ourselves and we can kind of set an example for others and then we can step back and we right. don't have to push so hard.
0: Right. I love that. So it's and also
1: kind of like learning to receive. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I really resonate with that because, you know, as a mom too, like being as, because I have two girls, you have a girl and a boy, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. So mine are 12 and 15 and yours are right there too. So Same age. similar age. <laughs> you know, and raising kids as a mom, you know, and you're a single mom, you know, Mm -hmm. and how to, I'm sure the dad's part of their life as a single mom raising with feminine and male energy, your son and daughter, what is your, like your intention or what do you focus on in your daily life with them?
1: Well, I mean, I try to provide them like with the structure and, you know, making sure that they have access to the opportunities that they want to have. I definitely probably have a more feminine approach to parenting. And I think I always kind of have, it's always been a little bit more nurturing as opposed to like, you need to get this and this done. I've probably always been a little too lax, like, oh, you know, honey, that's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, so. Right. But it, but it seems to work. I mean, my kids are doing doing really well, and you know they have that. It's um they do have a lot of they they have their father in their life. They have my partner who's been in their life for some time. I live next door to my parents, so they have my stepfather. So they have a lot of good like they have male influences in their life because I definitely don't feel that I bring that alpha <laughs> like that like that right. strong structure to the table. But I think they do feel that. But I generally have everything under control.
0: Yeah. So. I just always love because I'm in, I teach kids, teenagers through my raising confidence course, the mindset tools to empower them. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like they need to have that before they leave the house. Because I feel like in my 20s, I didn't have an intention. I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing. I changed my major so many times and, you know, just kind of like had a million different jobs. But to have clarity as a mom, knowing that you're raising these kids to be, empowered to know that they can be do or have anything and to be clear and have the clarity of what they intend to want when they leave our little nest that we've had them in for 18 years. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so you started, you quit your job, your corporate job, you got divorced, you started writing in a blog. Yes. And then someone discovered you and wanted you to write a book.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. So it's um as I was nearing the end of my corporate before I had actually like given my notice or decided to leave, like one day I was just like, I'm going to, you know, write a blog about goddesses and how like women can take inspiration from them. And it was kind of interesting because the idea had just came to my mind. And I remember telling that to my boyfriend and he's very practical as a lawyer engineer. And he's like, okay, you know, I could have just told him that I was going to start breeding unicorns. And I probably would have made about as much sense to him, but I had submitted it to a medium publication. And then a couple, you know, I didn't think anything would come of it because I've never shared my writing with the world. And two weeks later, they had emailed and they're like, oh, we love these stories. You know, we would love to do a series. And this was the time where medium publications were even paying and they're like, we'll give you $150 like for a story. And like you would have thought I won the lottery. I was like, (laughs) this is the greatest. Because I think it was just such like, oh, I can do something different. Like there's like something else that I find inspiring and enjoyable that I want to share. And it was like the first time that I guess I had gotten the recognition that maybe other people would find this interesting too. Right. So I often say it was like kind of winning the lottery, but even better because it was that mind, it kind of helped shift my mindset about what was possible. mm mm-hmm. So I had started writing that, and then shortly thereafter, you know, I was like, I'm going to take a break from the corporate world, thinking that it was just going to be like a six-month sabbatical. I was going to spend more time with my children, write, maybe find something closer to home. And then I had gotten an email, and it said, Harper Collins calling in the subject line. And at first, I thought it was almost like some sort of like, I don't know, scam or something, but it wasn't. And yeah, and about a year and a half later, I had a book, so...
0: Huh. So they read your blog. They, that's how that works. I mean, you. That's how they when they approach you to write a book. I mean, I don't know if that's how it works for everyone. That's how. No, it works but for me. that's. Yeah. But I mean, they can look and find somebody who they really love what they've been writing, and then approach yeah. them with a book deal. Yeah. I love. Yeah. I mean, I still,
1: I still wrote the proposal for, you know, like I talked to the editor, we talked about it. Then I went, you know, back and I kind of had it in the back of my mind that, oh, this would make a good book at some point. So it wasn't like it was the first time I had ever thought of a book proposal. Like I had already had a template printed out just thinking I'd get around to it at some point. So yeah, so I was, I I felt like I was almost fairly prepared for it. So maybe Mm -hmm. that was part of like the manifesting, you know, I kind of had had printed out A book proposal template. So yes, we went through that, and it just um it it came together really pretty quickly. Actually, well,
0: the way it's written is I get it because I see how you how it is a template in a way, and how you have the affirmations and the meditations after each one. But the thing I want to talk about is the goddess, this the message that I feel like your intuition you listen to, and you're like something about goddesses is something I need to like tell the world about and why it's so relevant to our lives now, but it, you know, to read about it. Cause I am not, I was never aware. Of, I mean, I've heard, you know, I've heard of them, but I'm not very well read or understand them, but go into why the goddess was your, what you think now going back, like, why did that come into your. Just. I had always been interested in spirituality and yoga and that has always been a
1: big part of my life, but I also hadn't spent a lot of time considering goddesses, but it was shortly after my divorce. I remember again, like I was kind of looking outside of myself for validation and, you know, I was probably spending too much time trying to curate my appearance or worrying about whether somebody was going to text me or not. I remember just thinking to myself, like, I don't feel like a goddess, you know, like I just felt like a little bit disempowered, like I was just there were things outside of myself that I felt like I was lacking. And that kind of sent me on this quest. Like, well, I'm going to learn like, what does a goddess feel like? And that really kind of started driving me through. And I started to investigate like different goddesses across cultures, across traditions. And I was like, wow, these are really are great archetypes for women to look at, to kind of get as a model of behavior. And all of these myths are still very much relevant to what we go through as women today. So I thought it was just kind of a very, Strong and powerful way for women to kind of keep their femininity because you know God you know but also just give them a framework for how to make sense of the different situations in their life as well too so like that's why in my book I write about you know getting over unrequited love or the challenges of co-parenting and abundance so they're still applicable to this day
0: yeah and that's what's interesting to me because I was reading about you have the there's like the four Oh, Lakshmi, the four aims in life. Yes, will you explain that? Because that was that kind of caught my eye.
1: Sure. Yeah, I love that one. So, Lakshmi is the Hindu goddess of love, abundance, fortune, and beauty, and she has four arms, and in Hinduism, they represent the four aims in life, and these are like the four the four things you need in balance to have a happy life. And the first one is called Artha, and that's all about material goods. So that's kind of like you could think of that as our shelter, our food, just all of the things that we. Can possess and the things that we need to survive. Now, I feel like in our culture, we kind of just focus on Artha as abundance and we kind of think this is what abundance means. But that's just one. So it's like 25%. Then there's Kama, and that's like all of our emotional pleasure. Like, are we enjoying something? Do we have fulfilling relationships? Like, are we having a good sex life? Like, these are important too, like our emotional and our ability to experience pleasure. And then there's Dharma. Are we living our life's purpose? Are we doing something? Do we feel that we have meaning in the world? And then there's moksha and that's like spiritual liberation. So do we have a spiritual practice where we can kind of weather the inevitable ups and downs of life that we've developed some sense of equanimity. So it's really all four that need to be in balance for us to live a happy, fruitful life. So Lakshmi is often like shown with gold coins from her hands, like that she gives to her devotees as far as like the external abundance. But she also gives folks inner abundance as well, too, that comes with like grace and gratitude and generosity.
0: Huh. When you teach your students, when they come to you f- with your class, the goddess solution, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. What are they seeking?
1: A lot of them are just seeking to feel better about themselves as well. So it's whether it's like looking for external validation. A lot of them have habits that they're looking to kind of overcome, whether it's maybe like emotional eating or kind of just negative self-talk. So it's really kind of, again, coming back to feeling sovereign and feeling empowered.
0: When you, if someone comes to you and they have self negative, they have negative self talk, what are you? So, okay. What now, what do you do to teach them about a goddess that empowers them through that?
1: Well, we, um, in my course, we have six different archetypes that we look at. So that one would probably be in the morrigan archetype which is um she's kind of the she's the celtic goddess of death and magic and we look at our difficult emotions and where they come from so we do some differentiation so it's like that negative self-talk like if we differentiate that so that's not your higher self that's not your inner goddess and start to understand like where that's coming from whether it's like the inner critic and thinking that like okay this self-talk it's trying to protect you it's trying to help you like you know but what can we say like how do we differentiate ourselves so we're not reacting from this negative self-talk. And we're also not believing it. We're learning to differentiate ourselves from that and really kind of connect with that inner resource. or like, I
0: call it the inner goddess. When you talk about intuition, what is your, how would you describe your intuition?
1: Intuition is really that feeling that you have when you know either that something feels really good or something feels not so great. So I talk a lot about it in my program as it's like, I don't like to say good or bad, but it's like that intuition of like, this is going to bring me closer to my highest self. And this is going to bring me further away from it. So in Ayurveda, there's the term Samyoga, which are like, these are the activities that bring me closer to my higher self. And these are the activities. So it's really kind of using that discernment and feeling like, well, what's the path that I would like to go on? And is this something that's coming from my heart, from my highest self? Or is this kind of coming from my ego? Is it trying to keep me safe? Or is it trying to do, get something so I feel better about myself but really, kind of starting to understand our, our motivation behind things.
0: Right. And how do you teach people to decipher if it's coming from their higher self or their ego self?
1: Well, when to start asking the question. So, if somebody is looking for, like, let's just use an example like, somebody's looking for a promotion. It's like, okay, well why do you want that promotion at work? Is it like do you want more money? Do you want to feel successful and smart? And then just keep going deeper. Like why do you want the money? Do you want it as a status? Do you want to be able to support your children through college? And kind of getting behind the why behind the why and just kind of going deeper and deeper. And then you start to figure out like, okay, so it's not so much about this position, but I want to feel safe and secure and I want to support my children. Or I want to feel like smart. And I want people to look up that look up after me, and I feel like I should be a VP at this point or something, you know. And right. it starts to kind of get to the point, and we know like just these external appearances aren't actually going to like even if you got the VP position at that point, you're not going to necessarily feel any smarter or you feel like you've made it because again, you're looking for something outside of yourself to feel better about yourself. So it's really just a big process of self inquiry and exploration.
0: Right. You know, I think you know yeah. learning at my age, like really tuning into that intuition and knowing how important that is and how many people, you know, don't listen to their intuition or aren't aware of that little voice that they think is just them saying, go this way, go that way when, and to trust, you know, and really surrender. I love those two words because I feel that's such a powerful place to live in is the trusting and knowing that you are listening to your intuition and it is your higher self and give me, So I've been interviewing some, a lot of people lately that, um, we talk about, you know, connecting to your higher self and yours is the goddess. So when you're talking about connecting to the goddess within you, can you relate that to that at all? Yes. Where does that come in? It's basically, it would be the same as saying connecting to
1: your highest self. So it's kind of that inner resource, our inner wisdom. So I call it the inner goddess, but it could be, it's the same as you would say like your highest self. And, and so with
0: that you believe so in your mind like you're putting the goddess as your the bigger part of your soul that's inside your body like i you know it's like this this woman that i had on it was just amazing so she's like a sliver of your soul is inside of this human body and the rest is your higher self and you know like it's endless it's infinity you know your your soul is ever lasting <laughs> but Is that what you mean? I want your impact (laughs) over your take on that.
1: The way I often describe it to, you know, like I think sometimes when we hear goddess, you know, we think of these deities outside of ourselves and we can definitely practice with them as a deity outside of ourselves. But the way I generally teach them and practice them is that they're not a deity, they're an aspect of your highest self. So these archetypes give us keys that unlock different aspects of ourselves. You know, so Carl Jung talked a lot about the collective unconscious where we have all of these kind of deity archetypes and we have access to these energetics. So it's like, for example, like if you were wanted more power in your life. You know, maybe you would start connecting with Aphrodite if you wanted more courage because you had a conflict coming up. And I always say like, I am more of a love and creativity goddess. I am not a courage one. So these are the ones that I need to generally tap into. That could be like Dorga, the Hindu goddess of strength and justice. And you start to learn about them and understand their attributes. And if we want the goddess in our life, we start acting like her. So we can start thinking like, well, what would this, you know, how would this goddess do? But they kind of give us a framework or a model for different energetics
0: that we want to build within us. Huh. So, okay, I'm understanding better now. <laughs> so when when you find something that you need to work toward and you find a goddess that has those attributes, you act as if you are that goddess.
1: Yeah, you can kind of think like okay, like how would, you know, you're feeling anxious in a relationship and it's like okay, like what's your inner Aphrodite it's like she enjoyed being in relationships but she was also sovereign she entered and exited them on her own accord she wasn't a martyr you know she kind of she kept her sovereignty she pursued her desires she pursued her whims so you could kind of look to her to kind of start to cultivate those types of attributes
0: huh okay so when you think of all these goddesses there's how many
1: Oh God, there. I mean, there's thousands. I think thousands. there's 38 in my book, but. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I was reading. Cause I was
0: like, oh my gosh. So Ma- Mary Magdalene was how to overcome your limiting beliefs. Explain yeah. that. What is she? Why is she that?
1: So Mary Magdalene. So some people would, might not consider her a goddess, but I think generally she has many of the attributes as a goddess. And you can think of Mary Magdalene because as far as like the story with Jesus, you know, there's a lot of questioning like what their relationship was but pretty much by the literature you could see she's called the apostle of the apostles because she understood his teachings you know more than any of the other apostles but some would even say she was his teacher too so I mean we don't know you know there's a lot of conflict in, but let's just assume that you know she was also enlightened and also a spiritual master probably on the same level as Jesus and nobody really believed her, you know, but she didn't need that. She knew, you know, she had that inner wisdom. She didn't need anybody else's kind of acknowledgement or validation from anybody else. Like she was very confident in her relationship with Jesus and with her understanding of the teacher's teachings with who she was as a woman. So she trusted her own kind of inner self. She was her own teacher, her own guru.
0: Oh, I love that. That is, you know, to think of I get how you can use these women, these people as like, look at what she, she did, what, how she overcome. Right. so powerful. Okay. And I now want to ask you about the, is it Demeter? Oh,
1: Demeter, the green Demeter. Of grain harvest. Yes.
0: Yes. What about, tell me about that.
1: So she's the loving, sustaining energy. So she makes the crops grow. She's also a loving and protective mama. So her daughter, Persephone, was abducted and she was in the underworld for 6 months out of the year with Hades the god of the underworld. So generally that's depicted as fall and winter. So Demeter's energy kind of shuts off when her daughter leaves to be with her husband. So that's when all the crops die and you know everything kind of just just ends. And then when Demeter comes back for it to spend spring and summer that's when all the crops go. So Demeter has the energy. So I talk about Demeter a lot because I think in a lot of the myths, Demeter, you would think that that would be unfortunate that she lost her daughter for six months out of the year. But I also talk about as moms, there's also time that we need to kind of regenerate and kind of continue with ourselves. So I think one thing that has happened with women is that, you know, we've made so many advances in our culture, which is great. It's fantastic. But we are also now like, the breadwinners, the supporters of our children. So it's like, we've gotten all of these opportunities, which I think we should keep going with, but have almost given us more responsibility and more obligation. So people, they've, they've done studies, I can't remember the name of the study, I think it's in the book, where even though we've made all of these advancements, we're actually less happy than our men counterparts. And one of the theories is, it's because, okay, well now we have the high powered jobs, but we're still taking care of the kids and we're still doing all of the housework. So I really talk about making sure that you're taking time for yourself as well too. So kind of like Demeter has a couple of months to rest, making sure we have some time to rest. It's not going to be six months out of the year, (laughs) offering yourself some grace that we don't need to be everything to every one of our responsibilities all the time. Like we can choose where to give our focus. And sometimes it's going to be our children. Sometimes it'll be a partner. Sometimes it'll be a presentation, but then giving ourselves grace because balance is tough, right? We can, we, we're very competent. We have a lot on our plate. So it's really more kind of choosing where to put our focus and then letting, they letting the laundry pile up. That's okay. And right. kind of I giving know. yourself grace for that.
0: I love doing this podcast. I love doing my, you know, clients and having my Zoom calls and you know, and now having, you know, I raised my daughters up until, you know, 2020 and started doing this and it, you know, that was my everything. I'd fold the clothes and do all the laundry, you know, but I never really had self time. You know, I didn't put a t- put apart time for me. And learning from you, learning from all these amazing people that I've had on the, as guests, you know, self-love is so important. And I think as a mom, showing that to your kids, how important self-love is. So when they are out in the world and they said, well, my mom used to, you know, I just feel like that is so important. Do you do that? I completely agree.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think my children know that, you know, I need some time to get to yoga, to meditate, you know, to work on my projects as well. And it's like, I feel like, we bring more energy. When we take the time to do the things that energize us, we also bring more energy to our children, right? There's nothing worse than if you feel that you're giving all of your energy, you just start to get depleted. And as you said, I think it's a great example for them too, as well as the woman is that you don't need, because as women, we're natural caregivers, right? Like we want to nurture, we want to take care of people. We are good at it, but we also have to do that to ourselves too. And I think especially like for our daughters, it's really great to show them that like, no, you're important. And like, as you evolve into a Woman, you need to spend time taking care of yourself too and prioritizing what you want. Right. Or else we're teaching them to be like people pleasers or just kind of being agreeable, which is right. I think, something a lot of us have
0: worked hard to overcome. Right. Oh, I love, you know, my just even before I pushed, I got onto the Zoom call, Paige was texting me about someone, you know, a boy saying, you're immature. You don't, you didn't share your grades with whatever, cheat, help me cheat on my test. And she knows her value so much and we've, you know, gone over that. And I said, just be sweet and loving and say, that's okay. If you don't want to be my friend, I'll always be here for you, but it's so cute just to have these little messages. And I, you know, as a mom and, you know, you think of what we're doing at this age, you know, for the, what we're giving them as, I mean, every age is, is so important, but the little tools that they're getting along the way that we're like embracing them as who they are, but also showing them like, okay, well, they're asking for advice and, you know, all the things and seeing, okay, well, mom needs to go have self-care does her Pilates. You know, I do take that time, but I do it. I have an intention behind things, right? Don't this, mm-hmm. I mean, Demeter, I guess I'm, it's funny that I even asked about that one because I get, I I probably resonate more to that. And that's, it was like, my intuition was thinking, Tell me about that. Don't you agree with that? I mean, I really feel like mothers are, that's a big thing. I do. I think, well, I think it's just important. Yeah. I think because our
1: children, I mean, we can say that, you know, you need to take time for yourself. You need to value yourself. But I always say that they're watching what we do, not necessarily what we say. Right. So I and especially daughters, I think, you know, they're really using us as a model. So I think it's really important to kind of model like, okay, this is, you are worthy. You can take time for yourself. You don't have to overgive. and. Right. Yeah. And I don't think undergiving is going to be in any of our problem. You know, as women, as moms, I think we're always going to be giving as much as we can. But I think when we can take a step back and also prioritize the things that are important to us, like whether it's like the podcast or the book and like, you know, I have, I have things that I want to put my energy into too. I think that's also really inspiring for them as well too, because they kind of see this creativity and this, you know, this passion for things. And I think That's wonderful if we can offer our children that type of, you know, type
0: of modeling. Yes, for sure. I had my kids so much later in life that I had all that time. I had to kind of like frame my mind around like be intentional, like, you know, this is so important to program them. Right. And I just look back and, you know, you never want to have, say, I regret something you know, especially with children, (laughs) you know, that's like the last thing you want to do. Okay. I wanted to talk about Freya is another one that caught my eye. Tell me about Freya.
1: So Freya, she's the Norse goddess. She's love, beauty, pleasure. I really love Freya. I actually have a Freya statue right behind me. But what I love about Freya is I always, I think of her as shameless, you know, like, so she just knows what she wants and she goes out and gets it. Like, whether it's like this beautiful amber necklace that she slept with for dwarfs to get, or you know, she has her feathered cloak, but she kind of just does what she wants. And I think that's a good, a good model for women today because I think in general we do tend to be agreeable to people, please and stuff. And I know for me too, it's, it's been challenging to be like, this is what I want. You know, it's like, I've always taken a more subtle approach, whether it was asking for what I wanted or trying to get what I want, you know, and sometimes that does work, but I love how Freya is just kind of unabashed with her desires and like her sexuality as well too. So I think she's kind of a great model for women to look like, like, I don't have to be sweet and demure all the time. I can, ask for what i want you know i can be desirous i can you know take what i want
0: right so when you teach the your class and they do a meditation so are you teaching it all together is there ever one on one where you're working with one person to really dig deep into their inner goddess
1: i do one on
0: one coaching as well too so generally at
1: least when people enroll in the class they'll get At least one one one-on-one coaching that kind of comes with the class.
0: And what would you do with that? Like with me, if I came to you and I said, I really want to dig deep into, and you would just, what?
1: Really kind of doing a meditation. Like, so, you know, thinking like once, you know, you've created a sense of calm and stuff, like thinking about what is it that you want? like, you know, starting to tap into like, well, what, because I think sometimes in the spiritual community, we think that desire can be bad. Like we should just have a sense of equanimity and be okay with whatever comes and to some sense. That's good. You know, we should have equanimity, but desire is the reason we get out of bed in the morning, right? Like whether it's desire for a creative project or desire for a person. So getting in touch with the desire, again, it's also asking why you want it, right? Like we want sustaining pleasures. We don't want to like gamble our retirement on Vegas or, you know, drink three bottles of wine. So it's really kind of understanding like what is something that I desire that actually is going to like again bring me maybe closer to that higher self or maybe it doesn't even necessarily but yeah but what do you want like what would feel good to you and kind of
0: getting in touch with that and then once you figure out what they want and you get them to like listen to their intuition or their their little voice in their head and they tell you then what you find a goddess that would speak to them
1: well, I thought we were talking about Freya in this example, so I was kind of thinking like that would just be kind of a desire. Got so it. we don't always oh, have it. to tie it back to like a goddess too. Like I think like at the end of that, I mean, we could work with Freya like to if somebody was saying, you know, I really want to have this type of relationship. And I'm afraid to ask my partner for this and stuff. Like we could work with Freya and be like, all right, let's think like Freya, you know, is pretty shameless about asking for what she wants. Like, can we try to connect, you know, with Freya and kind of meditate on her? We'll meditate on the image of her. We'll kind of understand her myth, what she does, Mm -hmm. kind of building up that confidence to be able to ask for what it is that you want.
0: Ah, got it! I yeah. love that. So it is through a meditation and a visualization that you become that goddess that you're yeah, s- yeah. huh okay, I'm with you now i'm I'm getting understanding it. I mean, I guess after reading your book and understanding the all the different types and I guess there's more than I didn't know there was more than that so this was one of them that I wanted to ask because I have a lot of friends that are searching for a relationship, you know, later in life in our fifties. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Parvati.
1: <laughs> Parvati, yeah. She's the Hindu goddess of love and devotion. So,
0: and she, would that be someone that you would connect with?
1: That is, that's a really wonderful goddess to connect with, I think, in the relationship. And that's the one that kind of goes back to thinking of like the Wayne Dyer quote, you attract what you want, not what you are, because Parvati is in this committed, loving relationship, but she's also sovereign. You know, she's still, she still has her own spiritual practices. She still has kind of, she's still her own person. And I think for women, that's, that can be challenging to, you know, keep that sense of sovereignty and also that desire to merge as well too, right? It's like kind of like the paradox. We kind of have to hold both of them, like we're sovereign and whole as we are, but we still have a desire to connect and merge. And I think we can kind of look at Parvati to kind of continue to cultivate the personhood that we want to be, but also cultivating that feminine energy that opens us up to receive as
0: well. That's the part I think. I think when you get to this stage and you're looking for a relationship, And you're all we're complete, I mean, most of them probably have already been married, they have children. It's a whole different dynamic from when we were in our 20s looking. Yes, you know, and trying to navigate through that and understanding. And I'm speaking to a lot of my listeners (laughs) and they know who they are. But I, you know, (laughs) after reading your book, I thought, gosh, you know, if I could help them understand these goddesses, you know, when they're out there navigating through these men that You know, it's just a different experience and where they want to be in their life and who they are and who they've become. You know, it's like a whole different experience who you are now at this age out there trying to find this amazing relationship.
1: Yeah. In some ways, I feel like at this age, it can be a little bit more empowering to women because as we were talking, you know, you get into your late 20s, early 30s and you feel like you need to check a box. Like, you know, I need to do this, I need to do this, and it ends up being a game of musical chairs, like who am I going to be with at this age, at, you know, when everyone's getting married. And it seems right. a little unintentional. Whereas I feel like as you get older, you know, you've kind of you do become a little bit more sovereign. You don't need someone else. You can enjoy being with someone else, but there's not that need of like, oh, am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? Like, do I have to check these boxes? You can kind of
0: go into it with like, hmm, do I enjoy this person? Right. Yeah. I I mean, it is empowering. You know, if I had to go and do that now, you know, you think of what a different, you know, I remember when I met Richard, it was, oh, I want, you know, I want to find my soulmate. I, you know, so, and I had built my life to where I, I was happy with who I was, you know mm-hmm. and i i do know that you attract who you are not what you want and i was so clear and then i knew i wanted children and you know it's like that and i was like in my mid 30s so you know not long ago but when you think of your life how it takes you and then to begin again <laughs> and then it'd be a whole different experience but it is an empowering thing cuz i know really who i am you know what a yeah. explain that like in a in someone that Really knows who they are. They, you know, they have the Parvati, right? They have that parvati, going yes. for energy. What would they, what would you take them down a road? What would they? that's going to feel I think the road of just kind of building
1: that confidence and I mean this has kind of difficult to me so I always say like you know we end up getting into like a lot of these practices generally because it's like we feel bad about something you know or we're trying to heal something for me it's like I felt like I had kind of a lot of anxiety in relationships and I knew that that didn't feel right so that's kind of even what got me a lot on this path was that anxiety and I think it's really starting to understand that we don't need anybody else right and we can start to look at our relationships too is like I wrote um, an essay that it was as our spiritual assignments, they really show us a mirror of the areas where we need to hail. Like, well, what's triggering us? And we can kind of look at it that way too. Like if I don't get a text every hour, like, what is that saying about me? It's less about the other person. So we can almost even use that other person as a mirror without getting so caught up in the story and kind of kind of understand, like, this is a great tool to show us areas of where we need to focus so we can evolve.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. That is the greatest explanation. I have a friend that is coming from two relationships where they used to text all the time and it was super needy. And, and I said, well, that's a mirror of you. Like that is who you are. I could never have been in that relationship to, I was telling her that because that would not, that's not me. I don't, I'm not needy. I don't need that text every five minutes and that reassurance And now she's met someone else. And the other day he's not texting. He's I go, perfect, (laughs) perfect. That's what you want. (laughs) So maybe, you know, like that's perfect. That's we don't need the needy part. You're not needy. So let that go. Right.
1: Yeah, it's kind of I think it's just kind of a great way to kind of like understand, like, what are you attracting? And I mean, sometimes we just we're going to attract things. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is what we are. Sometimes like my teacher, Katie Silcox is like, we attract things sometimes because we're just attractive, but it might not be what we want. So it's also kind of using that discernment
0: as well. Right. So what are you on the, what's on your plan for the next year or five years ahead of you? What are you looking toward doing? Writing more books? (laughs)
1: I would like to write another book. So one of the things that I'm working on right now um, is kind of like, how do we make magic from the mundane? You know, like how are we better integrating our spiritual life with our everyday life? Like, you know, as far as like taking care of our children like we're divine matriarchs you know ushering a new set of deities in like you know and really kind of taking a little bit more accountability for our our different roles but also just making it more fun like adding a little bit more magic to kind of the everyday life like just through different rituals and just shifting the perspective as far as like what it is that we're doing whether it's relationships or laundry or work and making it a little bit more inspiring so that's one of the one of the things that I'm working on right now in continuing on with my, with the goddess solution, my masterclass as well, and really kind of building out that program. Cause
0: that's relatively new as well. How do you view COVID and this transition in our life right now?
1: This is a hard one for me because at the beginning I felt like it was the sacred pause that everything needed to be recalibrated. I'm like, this must be what the universe is telling us, you know, that something is off, whether it's what we're doing with the environment or whether we're working too much or we're not spending enough time with our loved ones, but like, this is an opportunity to recalibrate. And that was kind of my idea. But now that it's kind of going on, I don't feel like we've learned our lesson, whatever it is. I don't feel like we're there. It's funny. I actually like wrote an essay about that thinking like, I feel like there was a lesson we were supposed to get from it. And I think it has eluded us to some extent. I mean, we seem more polarized than ever. We seem
0: to have missed the point of the lesson. <laughs> like I think there was one there, but I just don't think that we've captured it. Oh, that's funny. You know, I look back at those days and I remember going, you know, you on the news and you're, and I remember going back to the 40 days were in the Bible. Oh, I know, that's the lesson. <laughs> it's only going to be 40 days and then the 40 day came and 41, 42. I'm like, maybe it's not that. <laughs> But you know when you see the this the, the yeah the polarity <laughs> yeah. and to be there now still going into 2022 2 years into this you know how far have we come where are we moving toward i know we're all ascending i know in my heart i feel like this all is happening the earth changing the you know all this you know the polarity the education system all the things are there's a shift we had to there had to be a shift And so, you know, and and I know that we chose to be here during this time because we can help people transcend to that next, wherever we're going. But I believe it's toward more love, toward this harmony, this beauty that you've talked about these God, you know, you look at life and the books that come out now and the people that you are on, the people that come on my podcast, you know, this ascension that, this light that people are searching for, you know, and they want to, they're like seekers and it's all of a sudden come and they're like taking this t- And I can see this shift. It's really shown up in my life a lot in the last, gosh, six months, I've seen a huge yeah. shift.
1: That's good. Yeah. I think, um, well, I mean, I think it, COVID has shown us that we can't control really outside factors that much. So what we can control is how we respond to it, our own energy. And I think that has also helped people want to take their spiritual life and self-development a little bit further, because it's become more important that we have kind of a stronger foundation internally, that some For of sure. the structures that we thought were there to support us don't necessarily. And that, you know, it. I would like to see us come together a bit more as a community. I think the polarization between like the vaccines versus no vaccines, I think isn't that productive? Like, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more compassion and goodwill towards people who have different opinions right. than others. Which I, I get nervous that I don't see enough of that.
0: Mm-hmm. I know yeah. it'll be so. It's just so interesting to look back at just a two-year period of time and see the the beginning to now and what really in our life have we allowed it to grow us. Have we allowed it to, you know, see who you truly are? I feel like talk about looking in a mirror, you know, who are, who are you, who am I? And to be, as I think as a parent, having kids during this time, I believe that I loved parenting them during this time, because I think it's just showing the gratitude of life. You never take things for granted, you know, look at what you get to do now that we never, you know, taking little things away from kids at the age our kids were especially, but to know that as a young teen, you know, that, oh, I can't see my friends. Oh, I can't go to that. Oh, I can't go to a birthday party or, you know, I can't have a birthday par-. You know, all the little things that you got to do your whole life, it's their childhood story. You know, we've, this is part of their childhood. So I look at things as it's the beauty of life and I don't look at it as bad. I look at it as good. And I taught my girls to look at it as good. Yeah. Um, because you can sit there and look how bad it is, and where does that get you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. No, it's kind of like we always have to find the beauty in any situation, right? right? Yes. What and what, what do we have to be grateful for? Yes. So.
0: Okay, I yeah. could continue on. But here's your little book for my <laughs> oh, viewers yeah. that I love so much. And thank you for sending that. Oh, you're welcome. And it's The Goddess Solution. It's Lisa Marie Rankin on the website. Yes. What else? Anything? Um. Yeah. You can find Rankin everything on, on my website. website.
1: Everything is on my website. So my different essays, information about my course and social yeah, media. So we can just yes. direct people there.
0: And it's always Lisa Marie yes. Rankin. Yes. Yep. Lisa Marie um, Rankin. It's been so fun. Such a fun okay. conversation. So fun and so different. And it opens my eyes to a lot of different ways of thinking. And I lo- I think it's beautiful that you found that. And it's been so fun talking to you.
1: Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me
0: on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, Please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.